Welcome into the Wizards Crew Chat. I'm your host, Ryan Oliver, alongside my man, Chase Carroll. Chase, the Wizards don't look too good coming out of All-Star break here. Two, two, two straight losses, 10 straight losses total uh, on the losing streak here. The team is 9-47 right now. Things aren't looking too good. Jordan Poole's been benched. Uh, Denny's hot streak kind of came to an end. Uh, Johnny Davis... Doesn't look like a lottery pick. Newsflash. <laughs> uh, we got a lot going on in Wizards land, but let's start with how are you? I'm great, Ryan. Uh, my life is, is not as hectic anymore as it once was, but but the Wizards life is is as hectic as it can be right now. This is, you know, I'm I'm I've been actually able to watch just about every Wizards game the last 10 games and and I've been rewarded with some really bad basketball I, I would say some of those games early on before the uh the all-star break we were starting to at least look like a competent basketball team but right now it's it's just it's bad man and <laughs> there there hasn't been a ton to really enjoy watching whether it be uh future future success from the wizards <laughs> we, we we don't have too much to really lean on other than the fact that we know we're we're getting the top three pick most likely this year so um I'm good, but but the Wizards, uh, it, it's been a tough watch lately. You know, that's been the silver lining for me, too, is like a lot of mock drafts are popping up more so now. And it's like exciting to actually see the Wizards in the top three in all these mock drafts. Like, I'm not going to lie, like that's been really fun to actually feel like we have, we're going to have a chance. Like if we're going to be bad, which we've been for like the past like seven years or whatever, but it's I at least want to get a top pick out of it and not be picking in the eight to like 12 range. Like I I want us to pick if we're going to be bad or unenjoyable to watch or mediocre. Like I, I want to at least get one of these top prospects out of it. I want to have a shot at the best prospects if we're going to have to suffer as a, as a fan base and having the, the other pick that's in the late twenties. Now I'm kind of looking in that area, like, okay, like, let me get to know these, these players that are, uh, kind of being projected in, in this mid-20s, mid-late-20s range because of that second pick that the Wizards are going to have in the first round. Uh, and three picks total, uh, you know, barring any changes, I believe the the other pick is going to be around 50, 51 or so. So uh, that's that's kind of where we're at already, already looking forward to the draft here. Um, but let's just kind of jump right in. I feel like this podcast can be more free-flowing and less structure in terms of subject matter. Let's just kind of jump into the first big topic here in Wizardsland. I think it's Jordan Poole. Um he was he was benched in the first game coming out of All-Star which was against the Denver Nuggets which looked like a JV versus varsity game obviously with the Nuggets being the the varsity there. I honestly stopped watching that game in the third quarter because I just felt like the the Nuggets were just giving maybe like a C effort, but they were dominating. <laughs> I didn't even feel like it was a A effort. Uh, the Wizards were making a lot of mistakes early on. Denny looked pretty bad early on in that game. Just, I don't know how you keep leaving Michael Porter Jr. the best shooter on the floor wide open, but they kept leaving him wide open. I couldn't understand out of all the players here to leave wide open on the perimeter, how did Michael Porter Jr. continually be that person they left open early on? But, uh, but the whole the whole showing in that game was disappointing. But back to the Jordan Poole part of this, he was benched in fa- in favor of starting Bilal. I kind of thought they were going to go with Kispert, but they ended up going with Bilal in that starting lineup in place of Poole. Um, I guess to maybe try to get Poole more on ball coming off the bench. 
Uh, I'll give you the floor first here, Chase. What is your overall thoughts about the pool benching, pool's play uh, in general? I don't think he's looked much different since he's been moved to the bench. Uh, maybe maybe a tad bit better getting more on-ball reps. But what is your what has been your overall thoughts on just the whole Jordan Poole situation? I'm actually going to give big credit here to Brian Keefe because – if you remember on our last podcast, I was actually advocating for this move. Uh, I was advocating for Bilal to enter that starting lineup and for for Jordan Poole to be, be coming off the bench as our sixth man. That was something I was actually asking for. Um, did I actually think that this was going to happen this season? No, I, I didn't expect it to happen immediately, given that there's four years on that contract for Jordan Poole. So I really didn't expect it to come this soon, but... I do think this is his long-term position in the NBA is being a scoring guard off the bench because he just can't he can't play defense. Uh, he's really struggling right now just without the ball in his hands, and I do think this is the best way to get it in his hands a little bit more um, and, and him to not start. I, I just don't think he should be in that starting lineup. Um, so, so get the future in there now. Get him as many reps in that starting lineup as we can at age 19. Um, because he's really going to be our future at, at this two guard position. It looks like, and, and it's, it's not going to be Jordan pool. So for me, great move. Hopefully he can start picking it up because the last couple games coming off the bench, it definitely hasn't been an improvement. Uh, he's gotten just about the same amount of minutes coming off the bench. So he's, he's, he's struggling right now. Uh, I hope he can figure it out, but I just don't expect him to. So get get him coming off the bench that's that's perfect in my eyes so i'll give credit to brian Keith for that uh, obviously the team is struggling as a whole right now so he can't get you know too much credit right now but i will give him a lot of credit for benching jordan pool because i think this is a move that a guy who is an interim coach makes if he actually really wants to be a a long-term head coach here that's a that's a big head coach move that uh, frankly, I, I don't think Wes Unsell Jr. makes because I, I think Wes Unsell Jr., if he's still coaching to this day, I, I think he's continuing that starting lineup from day, day one to day 82. So um, good on Brian Key for that. I, I hope we see some improvement just team wise because it's it's a bad watch right now. Yeah, it's absolutely a tough watch. In terms of the Jordan Poole situation, I'm with you on I thought it was the right move. I was kind of 50-50 on whether I wanted it to that to happen or not. I think they're in a tough spot where Jordan Poole has, was brought in to be the starting two guard. There's no reason why they would have made that trade if it wasn't to give him every opportunity to be at least like the interim face of the wizards until they are good again you know that type of thing like i think they brought him in to give him a platform to take his game to the next level slash showcase him as an asset to get more assets right i think that was a part of what they were hoping and it was obviously a big miscalculation right and i think there's been a lot of a lot of just talk uh about the about the trade and and a lot of people kind of harping on um whether they should have just kept kept the Chris Paul contract and things of that nature and I think that I I look at it more as a glass half full thing um just to kind of take a step back and, and kind of examine the whole the whole scope of the pool thing right bringing them in trading for them 
um, taking on that big contract. I think I look at it more like I've seen a lot of people say over the years, like the Wizards don't take a swing, right? Like uh, when back when we had Kuzma and Beal and Porzingis, I saw a lot of people saying, hey, they should trade their picks and get a DeJounte Murray or they should trade their picks and get Donovan Mitchell. They should they should try to take a big swing to take that next step, right? Um, and not saying that Jordan Poole is a big swing on the level of training for a DeJounte Murray or Donovan Mitchell, but to me, I don't want a front office that's not going to try bigger things, have bigger aspirations. And I think that the swing on Poole was an attempt at something bigger right like yes we know Chris Paul could have come to DC and if he played he would have been a nice game manager and and all that and it would still be bad but he would have been better than Poole right like we 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 know what we would have gotten from Chris Paul and he would have been an expiring contract and maybe that would have in hindsight that would have been the smarter move right hey like it's easy to look at the situation and say they should have done that I think I look at the situation and think I'm glad that we have a front office that looked at the situation and thought, hey, like Poole has flashed a lot. I mean, a 20 point per game score helped get that Warriors team to a championship. He was an integral part of a championship team and he had a down season after being punched in the face by Draymond Green. But he could come here. We could believe in him. We could X, Y and Z and he could potentially be Maybe he could be a, a star. Maybe he could be an all-star level player, if not a really good starter. I think that that gamble made a lot of sense. That was a worthy swing. Now, it was a miss. <laughs> so you got to call it for what it is. So it's not to say we can't call it for what it is. But I think I'm just, I look at it and I'm like, hey, I'm more glass at full in this. We're rebuilding. We were going to be bad whether we had Jordan Poole or not. We would Maybe we'd have a few more wins if we had a Chris Paul. But... It's not like it's not like that's a big difference between what the reality of the Wizards is. Now, maybe our viewing experience night to night would be more enjoyable because we wouldn't have to have watched such bad basketball. But I just have a hard time having much fault for the front office. I think it was a miss so far. It's, it, it appears to be a pretty big miss. And now they have this contract on the books for three more years. And yes, that is a mark on their their resumes um, in, in the job that they've done so far. But I feel like I just look at it in, a, in from a sense of like, at least they tried something that made sense at the time. At the time of them making the decision, it made sense to take a swing like that because a team like the Wizards, it's like you're not getting an all-star talent just to sign here. So I think we all looked at Poole and thought, hey, he has the upside if things connected properly to be a all-star talent potentially. It hasn't worked out, but the Wizards are kind of, stuck in this situation regardless of a rebuild regardless of pool whether pool was an all-star this year or whether he was terrible this year they were going to be in the same boat so i look at the situation and i'm like not going to bash the front office too much i do think that now was the right time to put pool on the bench and try to recalibrate things for the last 30 games of the season hey you kind of need an ego check like you haven't played well as a starter there's something amiss here in terms of um, kind of you're hearing things like Stephen A had the whole uh, thing on first take where he basically said that 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 Jordan Poole's teammates don't really want to see him succeed because they his ego's a little too inflated and it's kind of rubbing people the wrong way and I think if Stephen A is saying something like that he says a lot of things but he's 
typically plugged in. And so I don't think he just made that up out of thin air. He's clearly getting that information from somewhere that Jordan Poole's personality is rubbing people a bit the wrong way. Um, I don't want to pile on Jordan Poole in a negative way and say, oh, I just want him off the team, this or that. I think that it's definitely been frustrating, but he has too much talent to me where I feel like he's a lost cause. He's not Johnny Davis where you're like, okay, he has no business being on the floor. There's clearly something going on. I don't know if it's mental with the whole Draymond thing. I mean, imagine being punched and it being publicized to that level by a teammate. I feel like that could have some psychological impact. I'm not saying I know, but that wouldn't surprise me. I think that this is the right move, putting him on the bench. I think he needs um, a bit of a reality check now and going into the offseason. So I think it's... I think it's the right move for right now. Yeah, I'm fully on board with with everything you said there. Um, so as far as as bringing Pool in, I definitely don't think it was a bad swing. I, I think if we were to go back to our pod when we discussed bringing him in, we were fully on board with it. I was definitely fully on board with the trade. I was I was actually excited about it, and it was definitely worth the swing in my eyes. A young player coming off, um, you know, he, he he had a rough year in Golden State, but he did have a really strong championship season just the year before he was a big contributor towards the championship. Um, so it, I think a lot of us thought that he could take that next step and he just hasn't. Um, he, he's actually regressed in my eyes, even more so than he ever did last season. I think this is probably the worst pool we've seen since probably his rookie season where he really struggled and, and was moved to the G league pretty much early, early on in his career. He's kind of playing that way right now, and I hope that he can get back to the form that he once showed in Golden State. I do think his long-term role is is a shoot is a uh, backup shooting guard as a six man, a scoring guard off the bench. Hopefully, he can pick up his efficiency here soon because uh, he's putting up numbers. It's clear that he's going to get out there. He's going to put up his shots in that six man role, but it, he's just it's just not going up going in for him right now. He's put up some point totals here. I believe twenty one points. Uh, last night and 18 the night before. So that looks good on the stat sheet, but he's really been really, really inefficient lately. So um, I think that this is the right long-term role for him. More importantly, I think Bilal needs to get in that starting lineup because I do think he is the future at that wing spot. So let's throw him out there. He, he struggled a little bit himself here in the starting lineup. And, and some of that has been uh, him being passive, I think some of it has been him not really attacking the way that I think he needs to, uh, that, that he kind of showed, I believe early on in the season, he's not really attacking and hitting the shots that he was early on. So, um, he, he has a lot of work to do and, and we need to see it. So for me, putting him out in there, there in the starting lineup here, the final, however many 30, 30, so 30 games or so, um, that's exactly what I wanted to see was was our future in there now because we're not trying to win games. So at, at what point do you uh, go from trying to salvage Jordan Poole to trying to develop your your actual future at the position? And to me, that was right now. So perfect, perfect on Brian Keith. Uh, I was calling for it last pod and and Brian Keith must have listened to us. I, I appreciate him for tuning in the pod. So um <laughs> Yeah, no, no, good move on Brian Keefe's part, and and I'm excited to see what Bilal can do in the starting lineup moving forward. I want to get your take on the whole pool needs more on ball reps kind of 
discourse. I feel like there's a lot of that on Wizards Twitter, a lot of kind of, you know, discourse slash debate about, yeah, this makes sense because Poole needs to have the ball more. And in the starting lineup, Tyus has the ball. So he's not getting those on-ball reps as much. And he's, you know, he kind of needs to be an on-ball creator. Um, I kind of want to get your your take on that. Before I you chime in, I'll, I'll kind of give you mine. I'm not sure what I think about that. Like, I don't, sh- I'm not sure I think that that is what's holding Jordan Poole back. Uh, if you remember those Golden State days, he did play a fair amount off the ball with Steph and Clay uh, at the same time. And he did a lot of secondary creation. Now, he did have one ball reps, obviously, because he's a combo guard. So he's going to get them, he's going to get those reps. But it wasn't like Golden State had him bringing the ball up all the time. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I land on that in terms of that being some huge difference maker in his production. I think that, uh, and I kind of mentioned this last podcast, I really think a lot of it is just, there's some type of, uh, there's a light missing with him. Like, uh, there's some, if you, I'm telling you, if you look at the Golden State highlights of him and highlights on everything, but if if you really like even go back and watch full games, during that the best season he had with the Warriors a championship season I mean it was just it's just night and day like there's a there's a different player that the Wizards aren't getting and I don't know if it's if it's the Draymond punch if it's um maybe his ego has gotten a little inflated since winning a championship and he's not putting in the same work as maybe he once was putting in and that's translating onto the onto the court during the games Part of me has wondered if he's one of these players that the context around him really matters. So, for example, the Warriors, the context is a championship organization. You're playing with three future Hall of Famers. Draymond Green is like the perfect complement to like Jordan Poole's game where a lot of like he can cut off ball, lots of passing, uh, read and react in that offense with Golden State playing off Curry, Clay, and Draymond, maybe that fit was really beneficial to what Poole was um was good at. And Steve Kerr's system really benefited Poole. And that context that he was playing in really mattered to his success. And now that he's in a different context, so he went from being the fourth guy on the scouting report or something of that, you know, third or fourth or whatever, to now being at the top. Now he's one of the focal points of the defense's uh, focus, right? Like, I don't know exactly what I think the problem for Poole is. I don't think it's that he just sucks. Like, I'm not at that point where I feel like he just doesn't, he's just no good at basketball and he's the worst player in the league. Like, I know a lot of the the Wizards Twitter discourse has kind of gotten to that point. Now, I think, he literally might be playing the worst in the league right now, but I don't think that that is permanent. Meaning I don't think that's the player he permanently is. Like I think Johnny Davis just permanently isn't a good NBA player and there's no salvaging it that at this point. But to me, we've seen enough from Jordan Poole throughout his career to know he can be a a high level contributor to a championship level team. And we're not getting that right now, and I'm really not sure why. But I do want to get your opinion, Chase. What do you think about the whole pool needs to be more on ball thing to get the best out of him? So it, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword with him because it's like 
he needs the ball to be effective. And, and I do think that's true. Like the best Jordan pool is the Jordan pool with, with the ball in his hands. But at the same time, you're, if you're doing that, you're basically saying he's your number one guy. And, and if, if you're making him your number one guy, he's, he's just not good enough to be that guy in my opinion, especially right now, some, some shooting splits this month include, you know, in his last 10 games, if we've seen a more on ball Jordan Poole, I think this month, I, I genuinely think we have seen that. And, and Brian Keith has tried to make that a point, I believe in, in making him more on ball, but um, in putting him, I think on the bench as a six man is a, definitely a, a way of doing that more. But s- s- this month, some of his shooting splits in the last 10 games include six for 21, one for seven, Oh, for five, seven for 19, one for 12, uh, four for 17, like th- these are just awful shooting splits with the ball in his hands. So uh, I-, I don't think having him get more on ball touches is is the right decision. Because um, for me, I know he's under contract here for, for three years after this, but he's not the future. I think we're starting to see this se- this season. He doesn't, for one, I don't think he loves playing for the Washington Wizards. Um, so whether we'll ever see the best pool again in our uniform, I I would say I don't think we will. So uh, a lot of his attitude has definitely been, uh, it sounds like an issue, according to Stephen A. He's, uh, you know, say what you want about Stephen A. He is locked in on what people are talking about in the NBA, What if, if he's correct on, Jordan Poole being a problem in, in the in the locker room, I I don't know, but that's a report out there from a credible, somewhat credible source in Stephen A. Smith. Um, so at the end of the day, if if he's not going to be, you know, a, a team player here, if if he's not the future, I don't think more on ball touches is is the answer to things, at least for the Washington Wizards. Maybe that's the answer for Poole, but. I'm thinking about the entire team right now, and and I just don't think Jordan Poole's the future here. So um, I, I hope he improves off the bench in that role. He's going to get a ton of touches. So we're going to see. It's not going to be a, a, <laughs> something that, that you can really use to defend him at this point. If, if he's getting the on-ball touches as the sixth man, he's got to perform now. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that I, I like the move from Keith to, to make him – the sixth man and it doesn't necessarily mean his minutes are going to be much lower and but I think that sometimes people need to be humbled a little bit and there's nothing wrong with that right sometimes you have a little success you know at some point and it makes your head a little big and I think that pool did come here with the impression that the team was going to be his team and the one I don't really think he was ready for that role and the responsibilities that come with it um, it's not easy being the guy. And that's, yeah, I know guys like Luca and like SGA, the, the young stars in the league, they can make it look easy at times, but it's, it's not easy being that focal point. And he has a lot of work to do. Um, if he kind of wants to earn that title and earn his way back into to the kind of the good, good graces, I, it seems like of the organization and, uh, obviously the fan base, cause the fans, aren't happy with him uh, just to say the least. And uh, I still have hope for, for Jordan Poole. I wouldn't say faith, but I have hope for him and that he can at least be a serviceable player on that contract going forward. Uh, but I do think it's going to come with having a reality check. I really think he needs to look in the mirror this 
uh, this offseason and, and decide what he wants for himself. Like, okay, I'm on the Wizards for three more years. I have this contract where I'm going to be making 90 million, you know, in the 90 million range over those next three years. I have an opportunity here to set myself up for another big contract after this one. I could be a really good player in this league. I have the talent to be that, but it's up to me to decide what I want to do. And it's not just about making or missing shots necessarily. It's about coming in with the right attitude every day. It's about being more uh, aware on the court. And I think some of that is just mental. It's not just, look, Jordan Poole is never going to be a great defender, right? He doesn't have the frame or the defensive instincts to be a great defender. That's okay. Like not everyone's going to be a great defender, but you can try. You can give more effort. You can look like you care on that end of the court. And I, and I feel like that's half of it. It's just like not looking so lethargic, actually giving an effort um, on that side of the ball, moving without the ball, doing those things that just are effort related, I think would really go a long way for Jordan Poole just to kind of set a higher baseline for himself of contribution. Like it doesn't have to be shooting in threes and, and scoring is the only way to impact the game. There's plenty of players around the NBA that impact the game in other ways. And I think Poole is going to be a score and that is going to be the way he's most likely going to impact the game. But I think that he can do some of those other things a little bit better, which would give him a better baseline to perform for the Wizards. But we'll just have to see going forward. It's definitely interesting. Um, I want to kind of circle back to the whole front office side of things and just like where are we at with the front office there's been a lot of a lot of discourse on was this twitter and different places just about impressions of where the front office is right now and the job that they've done uh, obviously after the gafford trade there's been a lot of talk with what whether they got enough back for gafford a lot of um people kind of going back and looking at the pool trade and was that the right move Chase, where are you at with the front office and the job that they've done? And I, I know some people have even pointed out like, well, now they're stuck with this pool contract. They're stuck with the Rashawn Holmes contract. They picked up Johnny Davis's option uh, for next year. And these are maybe some unnecessary things that, that didn't have to happen and didn't have to be on the cap sheet if they had chosen to make different moves. So where are you kind of at with everything that we've seen from Winger and Dawkins and how do you feel about it? Listen, I, I think everyone's making a little bit too big of a deal on what's happening currently. Cause I think what really matters is what they do in 2025 and 2026. Cause I think the entire plan has always been probably not to be this awful. Like I, I don't think they expected to be this bad, but they wanted to be, they didn't want to be a playoff team this year. Let's let's put it that way. They they their full intention was to not be that great this season and and I think most importantly not be that great next season in the Cooper Flag Ace Bailey draft. So um we want to hit on a superstar. I I know that. Um so I'm not too worried about what what we're doing in these first couple of seasons to be honest. My my full intention is to get Bilal and Denny um you know, I, I hope that they develop. That's really all I'm looking for at this point. And I would say that's what we've gotten, to be honest. Um, obviously, Bilal has taken a couple steps back here recently, and we're going to see what he can do in the starting lineup now. But 
Um, Denny's clearly taken big leaps. Um, his, his last game was rough, but before that, obviously his 43 and 15 game, uh, three 20 plus point games before that, like if he can become consistent with it, that's, that's really the next step for Denny. Um, that's really all I'm looking for, but, but for this front office, clearly they haven't made great decisions every single time. I like what I like some of the moves they've done. I love the, the, Bilal pick still. I still think that's going to be a, a great selection. Um, and and I, I like that they've re-signed Denny on a really good contract. I think they've also gotten um, – obviously, Kuzma isn't, I don't think, a long-term play here, but they got him at a great contract that that should be able to be flipped here for for some assets soon, hopefully this offseason. So for, for everyone in their hot takes here year one, this was never about year one with this rebuild. It's a rebuild. We're not going to be good for a while. And once we accept that, we're going to be better off. Clearly, the pool move probably could have been avoided. And, and I think most of the fan base was happy with it at the time. So it's kind of revisionist history to 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 talk about it now and, and say, oh, my, I can't believe they did this. How could they do this? It's like, well, we all wanted it. We were all happy with it. Um, so let's see what they can do year two, year three before we start pulling out the pitchforks on them and trying to get them run out the building. Uh, they, I wish they traded Tyus clearly. That's, that's going to be a move. I, I disagree with here. Uh, I, I like the Gafford move still. He's, he's obviously doing very great in Dallas and he's going to be a great center with Luca for a long time, I think, but he just didn't fit with us. We don't have a point guard. We just don't, we don't have especially one of Luca's caliber. So we see everything Daniel Gafford can do. Um, I just don't think that was ever going to be the guy that he he would be here in Washington, at least without a superstar type point guard, which I, I don't see one on the horizon unless we're we're hitting one in the draft, of course. But um, overall, I'm I'm not giving up on these guys <laughs> year one. Uh, I like most of the moves they've made. Most importantly, is going to be the draft picks. Can they hit on the draft picks? The the front office previously say what you want. Um, they they had maybe a hit in Kispert, maybe a hit in in Denny, but but overall, really poor drafting cost him his job. So um, that's really what's going to matter for this front office. If they, if they're hitting on their draft picks, most teams these days build through the draft and and add the rest through trades. Like that's that's typically how not how we've done things in the Ernie Grunfeld era. We would mostly trade our draft picks for for veterans. Um, and, and that's what kind of worked for us before, but I think if we really want to get to where we want to want to be, we have to build this ourselves through the draft. We're not going to be a free agent destination until we make ourselves one. Um, so that's what I'm going to be grading them on. Yeah. You hit right on, right on a bunch of the points that I was, was going to make as well. I, I think that it really is all about the draft. It's about the young talent they bring in more than anything else that I feel like I'm going to be judging them on, especially in the first two or three years. It's about hitting on the draft picks. Bilal, hope, hope, hopefully Vuksovic can be something. The lottery pick they have in next year's draft or the upcoming draft, the pick in the late twenties, can they hit on a second round pick? Like those are the things that I'm most going to be judging most critically. I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of uh, negative, a negative conversation about taking on like the Rashawn Holmes contract or 
some of the other things and i'm i ultimately feel like what does it matter though like what does it matter that they have rashawn holmes's 13 million dollars or whatever it is on the books next year what does it matter that they have johnny davis's whatever amount of money it is option third year option on the books next year what does it matter now you could say well limits their flexibility and i understand that but it's not about any of that stuff to me we knew when they when the wizards got a new front office and winger and dawkins have been very transparent especially early on about this is not going to be a, a a quick fix this is going to be I don't know if they verbatim said it at this point. I can't remember. But they basically insinuated that they're going to be building this thing from the ground up. They're going to tear it down and build it back up. And if you have any, like, look at history in terms of teams that do this, it takes, like, a minimum of three years before you reap the benefits of it. It doesn't happen quicker than that unless you get one of these things where LeBron James decides he wants to come play for your team or KD and Kyrie decide they want to come play for your team or something like that. But barring two all-stars deciding that they really want to join the Washington Wizards for whatever reason, it's going to take at least three years before we start to see some real progress here. Now, I hope at the end of that three years, we can look and say we have a nice pool of young talent and then you kind of build up from that point. But we're at year one and we're not, we're like halfway through it. So I really just feel like, I feel like I'm constantly telling people that they need to chill and they need to be patient. But I really do feel like we do need to be a lot more patient. And a lot of the same fans that are, that asked for this rebuild have been asking for years for a rebuild are the ones that get up in arms after losses on Twitter. And I'm like, this is exactly what we knew we were going to be in for. Now, look, they're a little worse than I think all of us thought. I'll agree with that. No one wants to watch bad basketball. I agree with that. But I think if we just look at it, what does it matter whether they are they have nine wins right now or say they had 15 wins right now? If they had six more wins, would you feel much different about them, honestly? I wouldn't, <laughs> and, and I don't know why why everyone's all up in arms about flexibility with Rashawn Holmes' contract, and uh, obviously the Jordan Poole contract's probably worse for longer, and that one might eventually become a problem. But Rashawn Holmes' contract, you know, contracts like that, we're not trying to sign any, anyone big in next free agency. That's just not going to be on the table. We're trying to be bad to get the top pick in the twenty twenty five draft. That's absolutely what this front office wants um and we all wanted to be a tanking team until it's come like this is this is exactly what we knew we were in for and and some people uh i'm not one of them i'm fine watching it each and every night night just to to see what denny and Bilal are doing but that's not what everyone else wants like a lot of people want a product immediately and i understand that's not what it's going to be um so the sooner that we we understand that and really just try to focus on the pieces that do matter here, which is Bilal, Denny, uh, maybe a couple of the other young guys potentially could be that. Um, maybe Marvin Bagley can eventually become a a good backup center. Maybe I I, I don't think he's going to be a long term um, starting center for us, but uh, at least he's showing something on the offensive end and through boards. Like there's things to watch for. Um, clearly, it's not been a fun product losing what ten straight games, I believe. Uh, Really awful basketball post All Star break here now two two straight blowout losses but 
I, I'm taking what I can out of these games and and choosing to enjoy what I'm watching out of them. Yeah, Chase, I just have a hard time really getting up in arms about much of the things that we see this season. I know that's probably something I've said a lot on this podcast, and but I'm the type that in the past, I've been really critical of the Wizards front office. So I'm not the type that's like, you know, kissing Ted's ring or something like that. And that like, I'm, I'm one of the like organization, like fanboys that doesn't criticize the team. Like it, I was critical of Tommy Shepard. I was definitely critical of Ernie Grunfeld and I've been critical of Ted Leonsis's job as owner, but Winger and Dawkins just got here and we knew that we were going to be in this rebuild. That's probably going to be at least three years of hardcore being bad. Like, 25 wins or less. We we knew that. So we're in year one. What difference does it make? It's like the team is nine wins horrible or the team is 15 wins horrible. Like either way, the team is horrible. Now, I do agree. You want teams, you want the team to build a good culture. You want the team to build good habits. And I think they're trying to do that by getting one uh, West Unsold out the door, getting in Brian Keefe. I mean, he the team I th- think has looked better under Brian Keith. Now, I kind of mentioned this on the last podcast about how sometimes when the, the coach changes out the gate, the team will kind of rally those first 10 games or so, and then they might revert back to um, what they look like before. And I think we have seen that a little bit where the team has kind of started to not have such good outings and not blaming that on Coach Keith, but the talent is what it is, right? You're starting Mar- Marvin Bagley at center t- and having him guard Nikola Jokic, right? And then, and Rashawn Holmes is his backup, and Rashawn Holmes hasn't really been in the NBA rotation for like three seasons now. So you're you only can do so much with that talent. But what you want to see is growth. I think we've seen growth from Denny. I think I see. I think we've seen growth from Kispert. Um, I wasn't as happy with Kispert's play a, a couple months ago, but I feel like since we did that kind of like mid-season grade pod. Uh, Kispert's played better since then. And I think that you could look at him as um, at least a keeper for the next season for next season and kind of see where it goes. But outside of Bilal, Denny, and Kispert, I don't think many of the other players on the team matter all that much. Uh, I, 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 that's just where I'm at. Uh, I think Kuz is a nice leader of the team, you know, but... I think that he'll be gone within the next year, like by next trade deadline. I think he'll be gone. I think a lot of these guys will be will be gone, whether it's added in other deals or, you know, or whatever. Just just there's going to be more roster turnover. There's going to be more young guys. There's potentially three draft picks coming in for roster spots next year uh, with whatever the lottery pick is. The pick that's in the mid 20s. And if they draft someone in the second round, that's worth anything. They might they might be on the roster. So you you just never know how many of these veteran guys could be off the roster. I mean, they, for all we know, they could just cut Rashawn Holmes and send him home. Right. And just eat, oh boy. you know, <laughs> I, I mean, and then, you know, you have Vukcevic who's going to be on a cheap deal if he comes over because he was a second round pick. So you could have your cheap backup big right there. You took on uh, uh, Rashawn Holmes's contract just for the pick, but it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you're gonna have Bagley, you're gonna have Vucevic, and and maybe they sign another big to to actually that is more of a veteran big that can actually actually play. Um, or maybe Holmes is just that guy. 
but I just I just have a hard time having strong feelings about some of these things where it's like, oh, well, they could have more flexibility. And I'm just like, yeah, flexibility to do what? Like uh, take on more bad salary and get get another pick. I mean, yeah, but the, I think that this front office is smart enough to find ways to t- to take on the bad salary if need be to get to get more picks. I, I feel like they have a lot of mid salaries now with Holmes's 13 million Shamits. If he comes back on the team option, I think is around 11 or 12 million. Um, Johnny Davis. I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head what his number is, but I would imagine it's somewhere between six and 10 million. So, I mean, that's another mid-sized contract you can throw into a deal um, as well. They just have a lot of, fle- they're going to have a lot of, of flexibility to make moves with or without these contracts on the books. I think Jordan Poole, like to the point you made, potentially could be harmful down the road where, where, you know, if it, if you get to the point where you're in year three of this rebuild and you still have them on the books at 30 million and you might be trying to maybe start getting a few more wins at that point. And he, if he's still playing this bad, you might feel like, you know, it's kind of tying things down a little bit, but I feel like that's a ways away. And so much happens in a year time span. Just imagine what's going to happen in a two year time span. I mean, we went from Jordan Poole being an an integral part of the Warriors dynastic team to where people were really saying they thought their 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 new core was Steph, Poole, and Clay and no Draymond. That was a that was a discourse that Draymond was the one that was losing his spot in the core of that team. And now you fast forward a couple years later, and that looks crazy, right? Like Poole, you know, it just looks crazy. So so much can happen in in a year, two years. I don't think much of anything that we're seeing this season outside of the drafting of Bilal, the development of Bilal, the development of Denny, the development of Kispert. I don't really think much outside of those things matters all that much. I'm fully with you there. <laughs> Just thinking about even our own lives, how different it is from two years ago. Like Things change so quickly that uh, all this discourse, it, it, we might look back and it's hilarious here, hopefully in a couple of years when we have Cooper flag leading us to our fourth championship. And <laughs> no, no, I'm not banking on that or anything, but um, yeah, like let's not have so many hot takes uh, out the, out the gate. Let's see what these guys can do. Cause clearly we're trying to be bad here in 2025. Like every, everything that happens after that. Okay. Let's, Let's pull out a magnifying glass in 2025 and 2026. But right now we're just trying to fit the pieces together and, and see who's even staying here. Cause I, to your point, I don't think a lot of these guys matter here really. Uh, I think we can maybe add Kispert to that list of guys that do matter. Now I, I, I had potentially written him off there at, at our midpoint podcast. Um, but if he's playing like this, like he will have value to, to teams, whether he would want to resign with us. I, you know, I don't know why he would. I think he is probably more valuable to a good team who can use his, his skill set. Um, but maybe he wants to stay here and build something in DC too. So um, I think he's, he's clearly valuable. The defense on is, is just not ever going to be good for him, I think. So hopefully we can get the defenders in because if we have him pool under books, now it seems like they're either going to resign Tyus or let him walk. I hate both of those options, but <laughs> um, 
yeah, we're we're gonna be bad bad defensively. It looks like um, I, we need some defenders in this building, man. Whether uh, that's what I kind of want to see us do towards the end of the year is is try to find some young defenders and and see who might stick in that in a defensive role moving forward. Because uh, playing the the old guys right now, I I, I just don't like it. I, I don't want to play Shamit. I don't want to play Tyus. Is there no one we can get some more minutes for at that point guard position? Because I just hate both of those options of, of either letting him walk or 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 just re-signing him. That that's the worst option in my eyes. Yeah, you know, Tyus has played pretty well, but he just is what he is. I don't I don't feel strongly one way or another about Tyus, whether he comes or whether he go comes back, whether he goes at this point. Um, you know, it would have been nice to get something for him, but. I'm sure there's some reason why, you know, they didn't pull the trigger on that, whether they just didn't like the deals they were getting, or maybe the plan is to resign them and try to flip them down the road. I'm going to kind of have a wait and see approach with that. Let's just see how the offense, uh, the off season, excuse me, plays out. And we'll just kind of see in terms of Kispert. I kind of mentioned this earlier in, in the season on a pod that I think a couple of times that I think they should try to give him an extension. I think if they can get a team friendly, deal that's similar to what they're giving Denny. I think you keep them around. Um, and at a minimum, that deal is going to be tradable because if you can get a, a good shooter, that's relatively young for 15 million a year or 13 million a year, or whatever it is, something along those lines. I just feel like that's a deal that's tradable and it's a way to keep the asset. Like, let's see what he can do. You know, I don't know how old Kispert now now is off the top of my head. I want to say 24. Um, but I mean it's possible he could be a part of the next on the rise Wizards team. I don't think that that's completely far-fetched. I don't think it's likely, but I think that he's shown enough that it's worth maybe seeing where things can go with him. Um, obviously it's also about keeping the asset too. So, you know, unless Unless he's just balking at every reasonable deal, I I would be surprised if the Wizards and him couldn't find some type of middle ground like the Wizards did with Denny's representation. I do think that Denny's agent might have done him a disservice by taking <laughs> taking that uh, fifty five million dollar deal. Now, I guess you could say, well, you could easily say that in hindsight, but I even thought at the time that. I thought the deal was very team friendly. Like I, th- I think it made sense for both sides, but it made more sense to the Wizards than it did to me for than it did for Denny. And as a Wizards fan, I'm happy for that, and so I was happy with the deal. But if I'm looking at it from Denny's standpoint, Denny plays a position of need in the NBA: a six nine wing that can play both sides of the ball. Um, even without this um, progression in his game that we've seen this season, especially of late. I just would have been surprised if some team wouldn't have given him four for 60 or something like that. Just, just because he's, he would have been 24 this off season. I mean, 24 year old wing that's shown a high defensive ceiling that can do secondary playmaking, which we already knew he could do both of those things. I just feel like some, some team out there would have given him like a solid offer sheet. That would have been more than four for 55. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that. And maybe that's a little bit of like hindsight's 2020, but that deal is going to be a steal for the Wizards going forward. Uh, So 
Uh, I'm excited about that as a Wizards fan, right? It's nice to have a contract on the books that's that's that seems like it's going to be a steal for a change. But in terms of how Denny should maybe be looking at it, it might be a little bit like, uh, maybe I missed out on a bigger bag there. But um, I think it, you know, uh, Denny's Denny's play. Let's just maybe go into that. Let's talk about Denny's play of late. We haven't really touched on that. I know you didn't mention that he's he had that 45 and 13 game. Uh, he had some 20 point games before that. He's really, really taken off that Pelicans game. I feel like I saw something from him that I never seen before. And it wasn't necessarily about scoring 45 points. It was confidence is what was exuding from him that I was really like, oh, OK, that's what we're doing. Like that kind of made me made me feel like that watching the game, the step back threes, the the drives to the hoop where he was given a little like a like a strong shoulder and clearing space and finishing at the rim and bursting past Zion not that Zion's a great defender but bursting past Zion and dunking the ball uh he was just playing with a lot of confidence on, on both sides of the ball but especially the offensive end obviously when you're scoring uh 43 points and having six threes and 11 to 13 from the free throw line you're 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 really playing well um that was really an encouraging performance for me from from Denny I don't think I'm the super duper optimists in our fan base in terms of where his ceiling is. I know some people are kind of uh, feeling like maybe his ceiling is closer to the all-star level. I still think his ceiling is very, very good starter. Um, And I think that he's training that direction. What is your impressions of Denny been kind of over the past 10 games or so? Yeah. Denny's been incredible over the last 10 games. And of course, Last game against the Nuggets, not so good. Um, he didn't look as aggressive, and, and when he did take it to the rim, he didn't look as confident in his in himself. And and that's really his next step is is taking that, you know, building off of a performance like he did against the Pelicans, and and continuing it because that's kind of been over the last couple seasons we've seen it at a, at a lesser scale. Like we would see him last season go off against the Pistons and then the next game go off against the Spurs. And then we play a really good team and, and he'd kind of regress back to what, um, what, what we were seeing in some of his worst games. So we saw that again against the Nuggets, but before that he really had four really, really good games, like 24 and 11 on seven for 10 against the Celtics, 21 and 13 on nine for 14 against the 76ers 11 for 17 for 25 points against the Mavs before this Pelicans game. Like these are all very good teams, playoff teams that he's doing this against. So we're seeing the consistency, but you know, first game back after the all-star game uh, against the Nuggets there, they were kind of, it seemed like game planning for him kind of forcing him left. That's, that's really his next progression. I think in this off season is, is building on his left hand. We've seen him be more aggressive at the rim. We've seen him improve, his three-point shot. What's to say that he can't, you know, build a, a left hand here in another offseason? We've seen we've seen a lot more of his left hand. Like we're seeing him finish with his left hand at the rim uh, a little bit more. Not not a ton of driving with his left yet. Like I think that's his next step is building his left hand. You know, ball handling wise, we're seeing a little bit more finishing with his left, which I have loved. Like I, I've noticed that big time here the last few games is. Uh, what what may have limited him at the rim previously was not having that left hand, like going up with his right hand every single time, even when it may not have made sense before. 
uh, and floaters before. Like that, that's, that's another big thing with Denny is we're seeing him in transition. He's going up and he's throwing it down. If he has even a sliver of, of a chance at a dunk, like last off season, we would, or excuse me, last season, we would have seen him throw up a floater attempt in some of these situations, acting more like a guard. He's realizing that he's six foot nine. Uh, he, he seemingly gained a lot of strength here in the last couple off seasons and he's confident in it. Um, so for me, I've, I've really loved how he's played. I'm, I'm excited about his future. Do I think he's a, a future all-star? I wouldn't say that. Um, I, I think that's putting unrealistic expectations on him based on uh, a really strong Pelicans game. Like I, I think that's going to be an outlier type game more so than a, a norm. Um, but I, I, I mean, I hope we see a whole lot more of that, but I'm not, I'm not banking on him being Denny Doncic or anything here. Like let's, let's pump the brakes on that. And, and accept him for what he's what he is is a really strong defender that uh, you know he could probably pick it up on that end here the last few games like he's he seemingly regressed on that end a little bit but to your point a really strong secondary playmaker who can move it in transition and and play really strong defense so to me he's his his ceiling is really high like I, I don't think we should put a limit on what his ceiling is but um, not, not to say I expect him to be an all star. Yeah, I I think that that uh when you have a performance like that, it's really easy in the in the the couple hours after it happens where you just feel that euphoric, like oh man, this this player that we've had faith in for so long, or or we've wanted to see something like this for so long, actually does that thing. You feel like you know it's kind of like the hot takes start coming out about you know. Um, where things are with him and what the future could hold. And I think that um, while it's nice to be optimistic and I'm optimistic in a sense where I really do think that we could see more breakout performances from Denny. I don't think they're going to be 43 point games, to be honest. I feel like we probably won't see a game like that one again. I do think that if we could get more consistent 20 point per game performances where he's doing a little bit of everything where we're getting 20 points, eight rebounds, four or five assists and contributions on defense. Like that's really where I, where I want to see more of like that middle ground where, okay, he's knocking down his threes at a, you know, 38% maybe clip. And he's able to put pressure on the rim. He doesn't have to score 25 plus points per game. Like we know that Denny isn't going to be a scorer. Like that's not what his, main skill set is now he's proven if you score 43 points you've proven that you can score at the nba level so i'm not trying to say he can't score but i feel like what denny is best at is doing a little bit of everything when you watch the games he's impacting the game in a lot of different ways whether it's grab and go getting the rebounds grabbing and going and finishing the other way starting transition secondary ball handler um even like sometimes getting some blocks playing good defense getting his hands in passing lanes like he can do a lot of different things, and that's why he's the type of player that pretty much every team would love to have. Uh, like, imagine him on the Thunder. He'd be perfect for that team. Like, he would be – I mean, he'd be perfect for the Thunder. <laughs> I mean, his, his offensive role would probably be even more limited than it is now, but um, there's plenty of good teams around the league that would love to have a guy like Denny. And so uh, I really, I'm really happy to see the progression that we've seen but I think that to the point you made about putting unrealistic expectations on him, 
I think that we need to do that, like, or not do that, not put unrealistic expectations on them and kind of may maintain a level head about what we're seeing. Um, it's definitely worth being excited about, but I think that the 43 point game is more of a, a blimp than a trend. And I think that the 20 point per game performances feel more along the lines of what we can hope to see from him. Um, but chase the past, I was going to say two games, but he didn't play in the past game because of a heel contusion. So the game against Denver, though, I was really kind of had my eye on Denny for that game to see, okay, you had this really strong performance coming uh, coming into the All-Star break, and now we're out of the All-Star break. Are you going to pick up where you left off against perhaps the best team in the league in the, in the defending champions? And I was pretty disappointed with how he played in that game. Uh, I believe he was two for 11, but it wasn't even the missed shots. It was the awareness on defense. I know I mentioned this earlier about leaving Michael Porter Jr. wide open uh, a couple times, but he just didn't seem to have that. I don't know that con that same confidence, that same aura he had had in that Pelicans game. And I don't know if it's just going up against the defending champs and there's a little bit of maybe um, intimidation that goes into that. Cause you know, you're going against like a juggernaut and the wizards talent is inferior. So you're kind of already in that mindset of, you know, one or two mistakes, and they're going to blow the doors off us, which they did. <laughs> or if it's just, uh, I don't know, regression to the mean a little bit. Uh, what what was your impressions of, of, of that performance from Denny? Yeah, he definitely didn't look the same. And, and I don't know how, how maybe this heel contusion played some kind of part in this. Um, Cause he definitely didn't look as confident attacking the rim and, and, and I do think they were probably focused more so on him, you know, coming off a 43.15 rebound performance. Uh, they got a, an all-star break, obviously probably a couple days after, after the all-star events to really focus on what Denny was doing. Once they got to practice, I, I feel like he was probably the focal point like, Hey, here was, here was his last game. Let's see how we can, stop him from from performing that way so this was really probably the one of the first games in his career that he became a focal point for the opposing defense and, and this was obviously the defending champions focusing on on Denny so uh, how much this injury played a part I don't know hopefully that that was what it was and and once he comes back healthy he he's the aggressive confident Denny that we saw uh, the previous four or five games because I, to your point, I do think that's more so the Denny that we should expect the 20 point per game, uh, seven, eight rebound Denny over the, uh, 45, 13, uh, and hopefully over the 5.4 rebound Denny. Cause, um, you know, shooting two for 12 going to be one of probably one of the worst games he has of the year. And, and what I'm going to look for when he gets back is, is just being that confident Denny and, and just brushing that last game off. Cause they're going to happen. He is still young. He's 23 years old. Like we, we can't expect him to be a completely finished product already. And, and coming off of these strong performances, this, this is where, where you got to take that next step. Um, so I'm excited to see where he goes from here. Clearly um, missing that last game with the heel contusion. I hope he comes out healthy and, and strong next game. Yeah, me too. I hope that that heel contusion isn't anything that lingers. Uh, I want to see Denny kind of get back to what he had been doing before the All-Star break, and hopefully he can finish the season strong. Uh, with, I don't know, three-fifths of the season 
almost done, I guess. What do you want to see from the team in these last 30 games or so? It's probably less than 30 now, probably like 29 games or something. But what do you want to see from the team as, you know, they close out the season? Obviously, there's not going to be a, the playoffs or anything like that for the Wizards this year. And obviously, we want to see the young guys kind of get get some playing time, get some experience and that that kind of thing. But is there anything that you're going to have your eye on or that you'd like to see in particular from the Wizards? Yeah, good on Brian Keith for putting Bilal in the starting lineup. But from here, I, I want us to actually try to run some things for him on offense. I want to see what he can do. And, and we need to develop him in certain areas because uh, just having him out there is great. But you know, parking him in the corner and not letting him actually do anything. I don't know how much of that is him being aggressive and how much of that is, is actually us needing to, to actually try to get the ball in his hands. Cause it doesn't seem like that's actually something that we're trying to do right now. Um, obviously once he gets the ball, he needs to be more aggressive with it. But um, for me, these last 30 or so games, I want to see how we can get the most effective Bilal Koulibaly Um the 19-year-old rookie has been incredible on defense to start start his career. He's had a lot of flashes somewhat towards the early middle part of the season that I didn't think we were going to see offensively, and we're starting to see him regress a little bit offensively toward toward what I thought we might see, and, and that's fully expected, I think, from both of us preseason. We knew what we had defensively. Yeah, I think he's been even better than we could have anticipated, blocking shots, stealing um, those kind of things on the defensive end. His athleticism is off the charts for a 19-year-old. Like I'm imagining if he puts on some weight here in the offseason, uh, gets gets <laughs> some strength on him, this kid's going to be a problem once he puts on a little bit more weight and, and, and his baby face turns a little bit <laughs> more manly. He looks every bit of 19 years old. Um, so, so I'm really excited about his development, but that starts here, I think, in that – last 30 games of the season. So I want to see what Brian Keefe, if he, if he wants to be this long-term head coach, his most important player is Bilal Koulibaly. So what is he going to do to to maximize Bilal? Because that's most important for me in, in what I'm watching for, for, for not just the Wizards, but Brian Keefe and his job moving forward. If he wants to be the guy, good on him for getting him in the starting lineup. I will give him full props for that. Now what are you going to do with him in the starting lineup? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I I do think that Bilal has, I guess for lack of a better word, regressed a little bit. Uh, I don't blame him for that necessarily. I think he's kind of hitting that rookie wall a little bit. But I do think that they they need to do uh, a better job running plays for him. And you kind of mentioned that, and I agree with you. I feel like sometimes it just feels like he'll play 28 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and – Sometimes I don't even notice him, to be honest, <laughs> uh, especially on offense. Uh, I feel like, you know, he'll make a defensive play that'll stand out um, and things like that. But I feel like a lot of times I don't notice him at all on offense. And and um, that's not good when he's your top top pick. And and I don't blame him for it. I think when you have Kuzma monopolizing the ball and Poole monopolizing the ball and Ty is bringing the ball up the court every time, you know, you're not high on that pecking order unless the coach makes you a priority. I, I just don't think that um, a rookie is going to have that cachet with a Kuzma or a pool to be the guy they look for to give the ball. And he, 
in in their defense, he's not necessarily ready to do a ton on ball yet. But I would like to see him get the experience doing those things because if there's any season to take those lumps, it's right now, right? I mean, we're nine and forty-seven, so it doesn't matter whether we lose with Bilal getting more reps on ball or we lose with Kuzma taking 25 shots. I mean, I'd rather lose with the young guys getting the experience than lose with the vets doing the same old thing the vets do. But speaking of young guys getting experience, I don't want us to not talk about Johnny Davis (laughs) before we end this podcast. So let's talk about him now. Um, He's gotten more minutes on the last podcast. I said, if I was running this team, I would say we need to spend these next 30 games making a, I guess, somewhat of a final evaluation on what we have or don't have in Johnny Davis. And I and I said I would give him around 20 minutes a night to see what, what they had. And so to their credit, the past three games, he's played 18 minutes, 14 minutes, and 22 minutes, uh, respectively. He's looked pretty bad in all three of those games. Um, yeah, Chase, I don't know, man. I hate to to write off a young player because we've seen a lot of young players have a change of scenery and, and play better in that change of scenery. But Johnny Davis is one of the few young players and top 10 picks I can remember where I just felt like I had no optimism for their there for them at all like I remember when Otto Porter struggled out the gate he had an injury his rookie year and then he took a lot of flack from people saying oh my gosh the Wizards drafted this guy who's a bust and this and that and I remember I was really defensive about that because I felt like Otto Porter had a lot of obvious talent and he just needed more time and you could see even in the midst of him you know, when he did play, didn't make any impact that, you know, his rookie year or his second year, you know, wasn't he wasn't blowing the doors off people. You could see that he had um, a quality role player skill set in there. And it was just a matter of getting to that point. And then we saw, you know, Otto Porter was a role player on the championship team. We He had a couple high level role players here in D.C. So, again, that's a completely different player. But my point is, even in the midst of like a slow start to his career, I I, I could see a silver lining for a player like that. I don't really see it for Johnny Davis. Like, I don't know where it goes from here that's positive. Where are you at with Johnny Davis? So so I I feel like this offseason, I was very high on giving Johnny Davis a chance I still have tweets back from summer league that I haven't deleted that I probably should have that someone one day will will send to old takes exposed or something. And, um, and I'll look real dumb, but I I had said that he absolutely could be a long-term role player in the league and that I was throwing away his draft position. And I don't care. Like as long as he's a role player in this league that contributes on defense, I would be happy. I I don't think he'll ever be that at this point. Now we're seeing here he's actually getting minutes. He shot one for eight last game, two points. He just doesn't look confident with the ball in his hands or or really off ball. Like <laughs> either he has the ball in his hands and is really ineffective un- with it, or he is sitting in a corner and ready to throw up one of the worst looking shots you've seen. So it's like wherever he is offensively just doesn't fit with really anything we're trying to do. So. 
Um, whether he can be a good defender for someone down the road, maybe. Uh, I don't think so. Like I just, I just don't see NBA player with Johnny Davis. And even if, even when we, when we put him down in the G League, which has been very limited amounts for some reason, like if we're not playing him here, I don't know why we weren't at least trying to get him some G League time. Um, but but even when he's played in the G League, I don't think he's been spectacular, which is definitely a concern for your top ten pick. So. Um, obviously I, I think we, we picked up his con his, uh, next, next year's contract. So he's probably going to be in the building next year. Um, I just don't believe we have an NBA player in Johnny Davis and it's not like he's crazy young. Like he is 21 years old, which I guess some guys are still being drafted at that age, but really now the league's kind of moving towards, uh, 19, 20, 21 year olds, you got to actually start to show something or you're out the league. Um, I, I think this is Johnny Davis's last opportunities here. And, uh, I hope he can, can seize his opportunities actually been getting first quarter minutes now. And, and, and I'd love to see him be productive with him, but he's just been so bad, uh, moving back to last year. Uh, and unfortunately, the Twitter page Brick Muse found Johnny Davis. They they found out who Johnny Davis is, and 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 I feel bad for him because he has a lot of bad tape in his short amount of time. Like some of his his shots have been so bad. Like he's being compared to Thanasis. That's how you know uh, it has not <laughs> been good for our top ten pick. You know, I think back to that draft cycle and the mock drafts, like. I would say 90% of them had Johnny Davis as a top 12 pick at, at a minimum. And so it wasn't just Tommy Shepard picking him out of left field. Like, oh my God, they picked the guy that everyone had ranked 30th, 10th. I mean, I, I know there was a lot of people in our fan base on social media who were like, no, don't pick him. And then, so I'll give those people credit. Um, but the people that put out these mock drafts and big boards and stuff a lot of them had johnny davis in the top 12 in the top 10 in the top 15 like I, so it's not like it's tommy shepherd's fault because it was a bad pick and jalen williams was right there man like it's just painful to think about but i think back to that time and i'm like how did so many people miss on this though because it wasn't just tommy shepherd this was a lot of people that had him mocked or big on their big board had him pretty high. Now, maybe they had him mocked into the Wizards because they thought the Wizards were dumb enough to take him. Now, maybe that is a part of the because a mock is, hey, this is where I think he'll get drafted. Right. So maybe that's a part of it. But from what I remember, it was Johnny Davis what is the Big Ten player of the year he's going to be a good NBA player. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, the Wizards are dumb and they'll take him. It was, he's a good enough player to be drafted in this spot. So, Do you, do you remember Stephen A. Smith's reaction to the Wizards drafting Johnny Davis? Like, yeah, he was. He was, he was like throwing yeah. himself around the ground because the Knicks didn't get him. Like, right, like they, he acted this, like this they missed the out on taking Victor Wimbanyama or something like that. Like He acted he like getting... they missed the next big thing. Some people on Twitter were like, we got our next Devin Booker. Like <laughs> those right. takes, uh, we need to go find who tweeted those so, out. But So uh... <laughs> to, to, to that point, I remember that Devin Booker comment to your point. I just think when I watch him play now, I mean, this is a guy, he missed two. He's 0 for 2 from 3, 0 for 1 from 3, and 1 of 
one for three from three in his last, those are his last three games. He's 0 of two from free throws in the Denver game. I mean, and those were his only free throws anytime recently. Like he just misses everything. And this is a guy, when you go turn on that Wisconsin tape, he was making a lot of tough shots, but he could actually make shots. So I, it's confusing that like, not saying he was a great shooter or he was a three-point shooter, but he could actually make some shots. So you look at it now and you're like, where did that guy go? Like that guy's confidence is just broken. And I don't see anything on offense that resembles an NBA player. But it really, it really does make me think back to there is a large group of people that missed on Johnny Davis. Now it's funny to like make fun of everyone now. And it was a bad pick, so I'm not defending the pick. I'm just saying, damn, everyone missed it. Like uh, like a large portion of people missed it. How did this large portion of people think that this guy was worthy of a top, at a minimum, like let's say a top 20 pick? How did this many people think he was a top 20 pick, a top 15 pick, a top 12 pick? Like there's a good amount of people. I should just go pull those mock drafts and, and just – count how many places had him as like a top 15 pick because out of from what i remember it was a good amount of people that had him as a top 15 pick it's not like the wizards picked some guy that everyone had ranked 30th and they picked him way too like you remember when the spurs drafted josh primo and people were like who and he was projected as like a late first round pick and they picked him i don't know somewhere in the top like 12 or something like that and um that obviously didn't work out for them but um it was like it wasn't one of those situations i mean he was someone that was thought to go in that range so it just kind of makes me wonder like how did so many people mis misjudge how he would translate to the nba yeah i i remember him being that high in every mock as well I, that was not who i wanted us to take but that was who i expected us to take just because i i had seen him mock to us so many times i felt like that was a very tommy shepherd pick um uh, so i i wasn't surprised when we took him i wasn't excited when we took him and and uh that's one of the few draft takes i i guess i was actually right about um they're they're few and far between so i'll take that W, I wish I wasn't right on this one because he has been way worse than I could have ever anticipated. I don't think uh, – I can't really think of a top 10 pick or, or the last one that's been this bad, at least uh, contributed this little because it's really been nothing. He's, he's contributed absolutely nothing at the NBA level, and, and I don't expect him to. And it's, it's just sad. Like I wouldn't be upset if we had just cut him – here, if we we see some more games like this um, down the stretch, I just don't think he's a part of the future plan. So might as well try to find some sort of young guard in the G League who who has some sort of potential because I just don't think Johnny Davis has it, uh, and and that's unfortunate to say. We will obviously, uh, I, I I think uh, it was I believe Steve Clifford was was having a press conference the other night, and he was talking about how coaches get fired by. Um, you know, wasting their time on some of these top picks that just never translate and, and that it's such a fine line. And I think we're seeing it here with Johnny Davis. Uh, we'll see what you can do, but it's clearly not much. So how much time do we need to waste with it? And, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. That's a good point, Chase, that you made 
uh, referencing that quote from uh, Coach Clifford from the Hornets. I mean, he's right. I mean, he probably can relate to that coaching guys like James Booknight on the Hornets that, you know, are high picks that don't really pan out and you're wasting your time coaching these guys that just, you know, they were real, really good talents in college, but it, for whatever reasons, just not translating to the NBA. And when the, when the organization makes this investment, you kind of have to play them. And it's not always to the coach's benefit. Um, I mean, <laughs> to, to to coach Wes's credit, he wasn't playing Johnny Davis. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know if that, I mean, I don't know if I should credit him with that, but I mean, uh, he had decided that, that he wasn't worth the minutes. And so I don't know if that was to his benefit or to his detriment, because um, I do think that given that the team just drafted Johnny Davis in the last draft, they have to play him like, this is the time where you have to give him to me. I mean, you don't have to, but I think it would be wise to give him at least 15 games of consistent minutes to see if he can build a rhythm, because I think it's unrealistic to say, okay, you haven't played much this season. Here's, here's 15 minutes. Go do something like he's hasn't even played in the G league much. So if he hasn't played in the NBA much, he hasn't played in the G league much. And he has an issue with confidence. Clearly. I don't think it's realistic to think that he would have been that good the past couple games. I want to see where he's at in like five games, like five more games of consistent play. Is it any better than what we're seeing right now? Now, I don't really have any hope that it's going to be better, but I think that the organization owes it to themselves to at least give Johnny Davis a little bit of runway of 15 to 20 minutes a night to see, Hey, is there anything here? Can we make a final evaluation and say, look, this guy just isn't good. We we already kind of knew that, but we're giving him a chance because we invested a top 10 pick in him and we can move on this off season or, you know, I don't know, next trade deadline or the following off season or whatever and feel fine about moving on. Um, because we gave him an opportunity to play and he just hasn't made any progression in two seasons. Uh, if anything, he's gotten worse. Cause I felt like at the end of last season, there were a couple games where you're like, okay, like, okay. Like I see something that gives me a little optimism about where things could go. If he gets more confident, you know, comes back in. Um, like I mentioned before, Johnny Davis was a new father last last season as a rookie, like had a a, a a newborn. And that's not easy managing a newborn. You're young. You're first year in the NBA. Like you're it's just that that's a lot of change all at once. So I was in my mind thinking, OK, like I can relate to that feeling of having a new child at home. You know, you're you're having a change in your like you've gone from the big dog in in college basketball player of the year to now you're in the NBA and things are a lot different. There's a lot of change in that. And I think that sometimes people need time to adjust, but this is the big boy league. So <laughs> you gotta, you gotta either put up or shut up. And now is the time for him. So if he doesn't show more than he's showing, I think it's going to be pretty, I think it's going to be, it might be early curtains on um, Johnny Davis's career, but definitely his tenure with the wizards. I, I just, I just don't see it with him. I don't see anything that he can hang his hat on that's going to make him stick. And there's plenty of other young guys around the league that aren't top 10 picks, but whether it's 
two-way guys, second-round picks, or first-round guys, obviously, there's a lot better young talent around the NBA that the Wizards could be investing their time in, to be honest. But I think they owe it to themselves to give him a little more runway to see if they can find anything. Can they find that guy that made that that um made such a big splash at Wisconsin? Like, can they find anything that resembles that guy? I doubt it, but they at least need to see. Yeah, do I want to see a ton of Johnny Davis? No, I don't. But it's if it's either him or Landry Shamit, why would why would you not rather at least see what you have in your top ten pick that appears to be a, a real big miss? But you don't know until you actually do it. Like he's been bad every time he's played, but let's let's see him consistent uh, in a fifteen minute role here in the next ten or so games before we completely write him off. I'm you know I'm I'm right there in. in you know, if if it's as bad as it's been here the next ten or so games, all right, let's let's cut the cord and and you know find another young guy in his place. Because I I agree with you. I don't think it ever comes here in a Washington uniform. I don't think it actually ever comes anywhere, but uh, especially here with us. So let's uh, let's see what we have <laughs> in a d- different young guy. Because I don't think it's I don't think it's Johnny. But if it's between him and Landry Shamit getting minutes right now, give me the young guy. Let me ask you a question. I, I I know that um this is another another polarizing young former top ten pick. But would you rather the Wizards sign a guy like Killian Hayes and give him rep reps at one of the guard spots, backup point guard, backup shooting guard, whatever, or would you rather them play Johnny Davis? Like what what would make more sense to if Oof. if Chase Carroll was the GM and you could say hey, like, Killian Hayes is right here on the scrap heap. We have, like, these are our two choices. We either invest our time in trying to play Killian Hayes or we invest our time into playing Johnny Davis. Like, which guard do you think has the the higher chance of being a productive NBA player at some point? Uh, I think of those two, I'm going Jared Butler. So neither of them. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, uh, if if I have to be forced to take one of those guys, I'm going Killian Hayes um I don't want Killian Hayes at all like if we're, <laughs> if we're cutting jo- if we're cutting Johnny Davis do I want Killian Hayes <laughs> no um I'd rather I think there's a decent player in Jared Butler in there somewhere so I'd, I'd love to see what he can do a little bit more um that's my preferred guy who gets minutes over Johnny Davis um because I think I think there's an NBA player in in Jared Butler. How big of a role he'll ever have, I don't know. I, I think he's a backup guard in the league, and and I'd like to see it in a more consistent basis. Um, I don't. I, I think he's better than Johnny Davis. Is where I'll go with that. Um, but but if if we're comparing Killian Hayes and, and Johnny Davis to extremely polarizing, I, I would say even Johnny Davis. People don't even realize he was a top 10 pick around the league like people don't care about the wizards people don't have not focused on how bad johnny davis really has been until i think that was the first time i saw anyone other than wizards fans talk about johnny davis on on twitter when brick muse posted his his awful highlight or his his lowlights um so for me i mean if, if i have to go with either of those two i'm taking killian hayes and and that's just because he's at least played basketball <laughs> like <laughs> um probably a whole lot too much too too much basketball played for for Killian Hayes whereas Johnny Davis probably played the right amount 
yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I would if I was picking between those two, I would um I'd pick Killian Hayes too. I honestly think they should they should take a flyer on Killian Hayes. I'm not saying that I think he's gonna turn into anything, but I feel like this that's the kind of thing I'd rather them do than play. I mean, they got rid of Delon Wright, but play someone like Delon Wright or you know, sham it or something like I'd rather us be bad with young players that have some type of potential upside. I mean, we saw like in NBA history, there's been, there's been times where there's been players that people thought were bad. Like Chauncey Billups got off to a rough start in his career and ended up being uh, a high level NBA guard at a point. And I'm not saying that Killian Hayes is going to be Chauncey Billups, but I'm just saying that it took a couple opportunities for Chauncey Bills to find his footing and develop his game. And then he turned into a high level, high level guard on a championship caliber team and a team that won a championship. So what I'm saying is at one point, a guy like Killian Hayes was regarded. Now people look back and say, Oh my God, they picked him over Halliburton. They picked him over whoever. Right. And how, and how stupid it is. And in hindsight, it, it is stupid. Like, obviously, Halliburton... Imagine putting Halliburton on that Pistons team, and they would have... They had Cade and, and Ivy, and I mean, not that those all guys are a great fit together, but they would have... They'd be cooking with grease over there if they had Halliburton, okay? <laughs> like, so... Um, my, my point is, is that at the time, Hayes was regarded as a top seven prospect so or a top 10 prospect at a minimum so it wasn't like the troy weaver picked again like the 28th guy he picked him at seven it's not like that you know it so i think it's easy to look back at it and be like this is a dumb pick now it hasn't panned out and that happens and it was a whiff right it was a it was a it was a bad pick by by troy weaver but there was a reason why killian hayes was picked that high and it was because he had the talent that made it look like he was that good, that good of a player. Now he hasn't panned out in the NBA and we haven't seen much on the offensive end that would make you think there's a diamond in the rough there. But I, I want to be the team that, that gives that type of guy a second chance. And it's like, okay, if he still sucks, just cut him. Like we, he's already been cut once. So it's not like, it's not like um, you have, it's not your, you didn't invest the seventh pick in him. So you don't have any level of attachment where you're going to feel the obligation like you do with Johnny Davis to keep giving him, picking up an option or trying to give him chances because you don't have the investment. So if you bring in Killian Hayes for the last 25 games of the season and he sucks, then you just move on. But if he turns out, hey, you know, Killian Hayes popped a little bit or he had a good game or two. Maybe we want to sign him to a two-way. Maybe we want to bring him into camp next year, whatever. It just gives you options to have him in, bring him in and give him an opportunity. And again, we're nine and 47, so it doesn't matter. Like the only point I could see people really making opposing that is, hey, we have Jared Butler and I want to give him a chance. Like I agree with that. Now, if that, if they're going to give him a chance, then okay. Like, doesn't then I would like that, but if they're not going to give him a chance and they're going to keep playing Shamit, like wouldn't you just at least rather some guy that has a chance to be a good player, like a chance to be a young guy with upside, you know? 
Yeah, I'm fully on board with that. Um, do I necessarily want him? I wouldn't say that. <laughs> You're but right. I, <laughs> but, Cases like all that said, I still yeah, don't want him. Yeah. But <laughs> do I want him? No. But I mean, we've seen just guys off the top of my head. He he doesn't have to be Chauncey Billups, but just guys off the top of my head that were labeled busts, you know, at the guard position that have at least become serviceable. Like we got guys like Chris Dunn is being serviceable over with the Jazz. We've seen. Um, guys like Dante Exum out the league and now back and in, in being a contributor for the Mavs and and even guys like campaign he's he was a strong contributor with Phoenix um, for a couple seasons and, and he's shown to at least have a role in the NBA like if, if Killian Hayes can just be that guy, that guy like he's not going to live up to a top 10 pick by any means but if he can be a guy off the bench that I don't know helps you move the offense a little bit like maybe maybe he has a role in the NBA whereas to your point, I don't think Johnny Davis has any kind of role in the NBA. Like I don't foresee him carving that out at all. Like you could see, you can envision a world where Killian Hayes becomes an NBA player. I, I do not see that ever happening with Johnny Davis, but um, back to my original point, I'd rather just see what Jared Butler could do because right, he right. is under contract. And <laughs> I think every once, you know, he's gotten some minutes here and there and shown a little bit, but um not, he hasn't really gotten a, a big chance, so I'd, I'd I'd rather see that if if we're doing anything personally. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm not. I was admittedly a person that liked Killian Hayes going into that draft. Just on, you know, I'm not gonna act like I was some Killian Hayes expert. I just from what I saw pre-draft, I thought he had a interesting skill set. It just hasn't trans. It just hasn't translated to, to the NBA, and you know that that's fine. Um, but I, I agree with you. I, I would like to see them just play Jared Butler more. And um, in in all seriousness, uh, would I mind if they took a flyer on Killian Hayes? I honestly would be in support of it because I would like, hey, what else do we have to lose? But um, I I think they like 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 we kind of started this part of the podcast saying I just think that they should play Johnny Davis another fifteen games, fifteen to twenty minutes a night, and just see what they have. Um, and uh, we know we kind of know <laughs> we know what the answer is, but. Uh, I think that when you've invested that level of um, draft equity into a player, it's an investment, right? So you want to give your investment every opportunity to to flourish before you say, okay, this is just a sunk cost. So I think they owe it to themselves, like I've said uh, a couple times now, to just give them some time to play real NBA minutes. And if it continues to look like this, I I think I was I would can seriously just consider cutting bait. Um, either this off season or by next trade deadline. Um, maybe you give him another training camp to see if that makes any difference. Probably won't, but um, maybe you, you maybe you guys get with him in the off season and completely retool his shot. I mean, I don't, I, you know, really quick. I, I know we're lingering on the Johnny Davis thing, but it you do wonder though. It's like what happened to his shot because it doesn't look the same it looked in college, and it's like. You know these guys have off-season programs and things like that, even if he's not with his own shooting coach. I'm sure the Wizards have some type of coach working with him. Like they can't, it's not like he's just gone for the summer hanging out doing nothing. It almost feels like he doesn't even work on that shot. Like, do you <laughs> I know he probably does, but it just doesn't feel like he does. So what's crazy is we see, or at least I've seen so many different videos of him just like in practice shooting 
And I feel like every time when new shooting video drops, it's a completely different shot um, from when he entered the league from mid season last year to this off season. So what we're seeing right now, like I think we've seen five different Johnny Davis forms and none of them as good as what we saw in college. So I don't know where, if that's a, a coaching point for Johnny Davis, if they've for whatever reason changed his shot into what we see now, which is, not an NBA looking shot to me. Um, I thought he had at least a, you know, we saw his mid range. I thought it, it Wisconsin was like, okay, he has a, an NBA form, like NBA shot. He could pull up into a, into a pull up and, and hit a shot. Like I could not even envision him hitting a pull up jumper right now. Like it's just not going to happen for him. And I, where that went, I have no idea if, if that can ever come back. I I hope so. I, I don't know if it's an injury or fully confidence at this point, but his shot just completely different from what we saw in college. And and we maybe we need to find who worked with him in college and, and get him back with that guy because um, he had a competent-looking shot, I thought, in college. And, and where that went, I have no idea. The Wisconsin film is like you're watching his twin or something like that. Like, oh, this Smooth. is yeah. It, it it's not that I that that specific game that he had there. I think should should translate to the league. It's just it doesn't even look the same player though. Like that's the thing that I'm that puzzles me because that was just two years ago. It's not like it's been five years. I mean, this guy, you know, it's college, right? But but he won big 10 player of the year. So it's not like, you know, it's just not like he was some, some rinky dink college player that we're hoping is going to be good. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was very good in college and was making mid range shots and had a, a good enough looking form could at least get to the rim and finish. I mean, again, he was not, he's not super athletic. He's, not that tall. He's like six foot three, six foot four, right? I mean, he's not, it's not like he's huge out there in terms of NBA size. But with all that said, I, I just think, I just don't know how he's this bad, Chase. I, I know that's what I think that's the thing that I'm just like puzzles me about the whole thing is that someone, like I remember when, when he got drafted, you know, a, a lot of the Wizards people you and I talk to, like fans and stuff that we communicate with on a regular basis, there was a large portion of them that were like, yeah, he's kind of mid, like he's just going to be okay. Like he's, you know, yeah, it'll be fine. He's probably going to be a good role player, but this isn't what we want the the the, the organization to do with the 10th pick. We want to take a swing for something better than a role player. I think even those people who were pessimistic about the pick at the time, I don't think any of those people would tell you that they thought he was going to be this bad, like, or that he would be not even an NBA caliber player. I think it was just, everyone thought he was going to be like an eighth man. And I was like, ah, oh, we drafted the eighth man. Like, okay, great. But it's not like people thought he was going to not even be an NBA caliber player. So you just wonder how it goes from, oh, he could be the next Devin Booker or he he's the Big Ten player of the year. He's a, you know, a solid top 15 pick to, Man, this guy doesn't belong in the NBA, and it and it it was pretty immediate too. I mean, it wasn't even like it took time. It was that first summer league. He looked like a deer in headlights, and 
everyone's was you know it's like red flags came up immediately that he wasn't ready for the nba and i mean it's just kind of a sad it's a sad it's a sad situation to be honest and sadly like i think he he's probably in competition for worst player in the league like i think you could make that argument right now <laughs> Yeah, just more even more so based on tape but his stats like his minutes as a top 10 pick this is this is historic this this is reaching historically bad top 10 pick uh i think if we look at and he's the same player we see right now next year you can make that case he's one of the biggest draft day busts in in a long time and, and that's unfortunate he's a top 10 pick was should he have been i think we can clearly say now no but but that's where he was drafted. That's where you gotta, we gotta grade him, I guess. Because I've said all all off season uh, that I'm not taking any stock in where he was drafted, and just if he's a great role player, that's what I want from him. He's not that, <laughs> so you gotta grade him based on where he's drafted at that point. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's uh it's unfortunate. I hate to to bash the guy because I do think that um there's there's a a confidence issue and i think you hate to see that happen to these guys like you know it's like when you watch ben simmons play now and he won't even move towards the rim he goes sideways up and down the court so he's it's like the instead of going towards the rim he's looking to pass the ball on fast break so he's running like towards his teammate to the side and it's like bro go to the rim you're six foot ten you know and, but it's like a lack of confidence you know and it's sad to see these guys that were once um, you know, great players in their own right. Like Johnny Davis was a was a very good college player, and to see that guy lose his confidence and then not even be able to be a serviceable NBA player, it's just sad, you know. And then you feel bad for you feel bad for him, and you really hope that there's some miracle turn of events that he can turn around, turn it around, and become a solid contributor on the Wizards, but. Unfortunately, Chase, I, I just don't really see a world where we get that from Johnny Davis. Um, but I digress on the Johnny Davis topic. We probably went way longer on that than 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 anyone cares to listen to. But uh, we spent more minutes on that than he played this year. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the sad part of that is you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like forty minutes on Johnny Davis in the body. He's played like thirty eight. <laughs> we're we're dueling with him absolutely. Uh well Chase before we wrap up is there anything else that we need to hit on before we before we close this out I know this is more just like an off the cuff free flow of topics here but is there anything else that we need to to touch on No man I think we touched on all the big points we definitely needed to discuss pool moving to the bench Denny's ascension here this year Johnny Davis finally getting minutes he is definitely worth talking about maybe not not as long as we ended up talking about him because uh we we you know gave more minutes than than his own coach did but um yeah i think we touched on all the big points here and and i'm excited about what we see out of Bilal here the last 30 30 games or so so there's still things to watch for we're we're not winning any games and it's it's been a, a harder watch recently but I'm excited to watch Bilal and Denny and, and to an extent Corey here moving forward and and maybe in, in Jordan Poole's new role he'll he'll start to play 
uh, a little better. That's that's what I'll expect from him. <laughs> a little bit better. It can't be much worse. So uh, let's let's buckle in. Thirty games left. Let's let's see what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely hopeful that we see more from Bilal and uh, a better version of Pool. I think those are the things that I'm um, most hopeful for, and that Denny can continue his his solid play, and or or I should say, it's better than solid. His very good play. Like I really hope to see him continue that progression. And um, I just want to say, as we wrap up, I want everyone to. Relax. This is the first year in a three-year minimum rebuild, like a minimum three years before we're probably even taking that next step towards competency. <laughs> so I think we really do need to strap in as a fan base. That's not to say that people can't feel how they feel about, you know, things. I know we're fans, so we're going to have ebbs and flows of emotions about our team. But I do think that we just need to brace for it's going to be some losing going on here for a, a, quite a while and losing can be frustrating. And that's why owners don't want to tank. <laughs> so we've asked for a tank because we didn't want to be in mediocrity anymore. We got the tank. Let's try to find some enjoyment in the tank, which like a so like silver linings, like, you know, Denny's Denny's game, like let's enjoy that. Um, Mark when Marvin Bagley's playing pretty well, like let's try to enjoy that. When Bilal's doing things well, let's try to enjoy that. Let's try to find the silver linings and 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 let let's let Winger and Dawkins have some runway here before we pick apart their their moves or lack of moves. Um, again, that doesn't mean we can't be critical, but I think we always need to be a little bit more patient with them and give give this this rebuild a chance to play out. I I think that the season is so long that it's really easy to forget that we're only like a few months into the like winger in Dawkins tenure. I mean, maybe a little bit longer than a few months, but you get my point. Like they're not that far into their tenure. Um, and I think we just need to give them a chance to kind of put their imprint on this thing even further before we really, really judge it. Like let's give them this off season, this draft, the moves they make, and then let's reassess things for for how they do with like the first full off season, uh, like under under their belt. Like that's what I think. Let's give let's have patience. Let's see how this thing plays out. Because I think that I think that they got they got things headed the right direction. It's gonna suck for a while. It's gonna get worse before it gets better. But I think we're on the right track. I'm absolutely with you, Ryan. I'm excited to see where we go here, and mostly next off season and in the 2025 off season. Like, I, I'm I'm fully on board with you there. Let's let's take the silver lining because unfortunately that's all we have right now. But uh, th- thank you everybody who's been subscribing. We've been gaining a little bit of traction here, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So thank you guys who've been tuning in and, and liking what you've been hearing. We really do appreciate all the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please like, subscribe, leave us a review, all that good stuff, and we'll catch you on the next one.